WNYC. Here's a clip of a comedian on TV in 1961. See if you recognize him. And we have a lot of racial prejudice up north, but we're so clever with it. Take my hometown, Chicago. I mean, you can't see it just, just going in there. When the Negroes in Chicago move into one large area and it looks like we might control the votes, they don't say anything to us. They have a slum clearance. <laughs> You do the same thing on the West Coast, but you call it freeways. <laughs> so that was the trailblazing Dick Gregory from his first TV appearance way back in 1961 on ABC's Walk in My Shoes. And to end the show today and for Black History Month, we're going to be talking about the history of black comedy as a tool for activism. Dick Gregory's career and continuing influence will guide us as we do this. The theme of Black History Month in the U.S. this year is African Americans and the arts, and comedy is definitely an art. And from pioneers like Dick Gregory and Moms Mabley, who tackled racial inequality during the civil rights movement, to contemporary trailblazers who continue to push boundaries and spark crucial dialogues on race in the 21st century, comedy has served as a platform for black performers to share their experiences, perspectives, and frustrations. And for more now, I'm joined by Mark Anthony Neal, who is the James B. Duke Distinguished Professor of African and African American Studies at Duke University. Professor Neal, welcome to WNYC. So glad you could join us. Thank you for the invitation, Brian. And it was a video that you made about Dick Gregory that uh, put us on to focusing on him for this segment today. So thank you for that. And we're going to hear some more clips. But where do you begin to trace the history of what we've come to know as black or African-American comedy in the mass media era? I mean, definitely Dick Gregory is the breakthrough artist. Obviously, there had been back black comedians prior to that point in time. A lot of them didn't cross over to the mainstream, obviously. Uh, as long as there have been black folks in this country dealing with the issues of racism and oppression and, and everything that goes with that, there have been black folks trying to make humor of that, whether or not they were stand-up comedians or musicians or comedic actors, you know, if, if in, in that context. But Dick Gregory is really the one who's a breakthrough who comes through in the early 1960s is the first black comedian really, you know, on, on a, who's a regular feature on night, late night television. Um, he's the first black performer on what becomes Johnny Carson's late night show. And, and that moment was really critical because as he told Johnny Carson, as they were inviting him onto the show, um, you know, his whole thing was, I'm not just going to go there and do stand up. I, I want to sit down and talk with you um, about, you know, what's happening in the world. And, and that was really a shift and a breakthrough. You know, we didn't, weren't just entertainers at that point in time. Right. It was something more than that. And his willingness to always center race. Right. Finding the funny in both race and racism is one of the things that attracted him to many different folks. Um, and he was also really solely committed to the civil rights movement at that point in time. And, and for you know a long period of time, really gave up. Um, the kind of financial success he could have had as just a stand-up comedian, mm. you know, to be on the front lines of the civil rights and later human rights movements. And listeners, we can take a few phone calls, as we often do in this final 15 minutes or so 
of the show on all kinds of things in your life. And today, we're inviting you to shout out a favorite comedian who's made you laugh and also advanced the cause of racial justice. Who has one? 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. If you have a favorite comedian who's made you laugh while advancing the cause of racial justice in the context of their comedy, 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. Call or text with Mark Anthony Neal from Duke. Uh, let's hear another clip. Here's Gregory in 1962 at an event in San Francisco. See, 20 years ago, the light-complected Negro had it made. Now it's the dark-complected Negro simply because of the government contracts. In order for big business to get government contracts, they have to hire Negro and white on an equal basis. And these cats go out and get the blackest cat they can find. <laughs> So when that government inspector walk in there, he can see him seven blocks away. <laughs> oh, you got one. Right. You want to say anything about that particular clip or the one we started with? I think the last clip is, is really funny and important because it, it speaks to the issue of colorism um, within the black community without getting too deeply as he does it in this context. But really the fact that there is a perception uh, about the authenticity of, of black identity as it's connected to skin color. Um, and so he's at, on the one hand talking about what that might look like in terms of public policy, who gets jobs and who don't get jobs and contracts and what have you, right? But also it's also a sly nod to what is going to become this moment of black pride where the idea of darker skin African-Americans and Afros and all those things begin to take shape and become much more of an aspect of what we think of as the black experience. Now, Gregory was by no means the first black performer of what we know as stand-up comedy. Some 40 years before Gregory's first TV appearance in 1961, Moms Mabley began her career on stage, and she would go on to become a legend on the so-called Chitlin Circuit. Um, she did wind up, I think, on TV toward you know, the end of her career. But yeah. so let's hear a clip um, as we confirm that. This is Moms Mabley performing live on the Merv Griffin show in 1969. And I married another old man. <laughs> Older than the other one. Oh. Older than his birthday. <laughs> And ugly. <laughs> he was so ugly, honest to goodness, he hurt my feelings. <laughs> I told him the other night, I said, let's sit down and have a talk. Somebody's got to die because I can't put up the bill. <laughs> So, Professor Neal, do you want to say anything about Moms Mabley and maybe even generally the role of black women going back to the early days of, of stand-up comedy? Yeah, it, it was hard for me to listen to both her and also the, the Gregory clips and not sit here and laugh to myself hearing them again uh, in this context. Uh, you know, what's important about Moms Mabley, obviously because she's a black woman, so she brings a gender perspective to what's happening to black Americans at the time. But, you know, unlike Dick Gregory, who did not have to toil 
on the Chitlin circuit, right? All those kind of networks of black clubs and nightclubs and auditoriums, places somewhat well-known like the Apollo. Um, she was a veteran of the Chitlin circuit. So it was really important when someone like her and then also Red Fox was a contemporary, you know, breakthrough to the mainstream, right? Because they had been kind of honing their craft for decades, you know, underground out in the shadows, right? Of, of white America and white comedians. So this was really a great opportunity, you know, for her to show up as she had been showing up for so many decades at that point in time, right? And again, the, the whole point of her humor was to bring into context, yes, race is important, but what's the specificity of being a Black woman in this kind of moment? And I always want to give a shout out to Whoopi Goldberg, you know, who produces a documentary almost more than a decade ago about Moms Mabley that really introduced her to a whole new generation of, of folks who didn't know she existed prior mm -hmm. to the emergence of all of these popular Black women comedians, stand-up comedians that we know now. There you go. Some of the shout outs coming in um, in writing from our listeners and text messages. Listener writes, Michael Che is constantly pushing the envelope of racism awareness with his jokes on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. Someone else writes, Flip Wilson's Geraldine advanced LGBTQ rights in the African-American community. Uh, someone else, so many, Chris Rock, Alonzo Bolden, um, Alzo Slade, a uh, couple here citing Wanda Sykes. And let's take a phone call from Carla in Essex County in Jersey. You're on WNYC. Hi, Carla. Hi, can you hear me? We gotcha. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to Monique. Monique's a comedian. If we can talk yeah. about that a little bit, she's wonderful. She's funny. She deserves all the praise. Carla, thank you very much. Let me go right on to another caller. Sean in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Hi, Sean. Hi, I just wanted to shout out Paul Mooney. Um, he came out with mm -hmm. the line, Black Never Cracks, and that always stuck mm -hmm. with me. Um, he's just funny. He passed away maybe two years ago. He was always mm -hmm. featured on um, Dave Chappelle's show. And I don't know if the guests could talk a little bit about him. Sean, thank you very much. Yeah, and we have a few texts coming in also mentioning Dave Chappelle. Professor? So I'll start with the SNL piece and Michael Che, uh, because, you know, SNL became a space for more of the contemporary Black comedians to show their wares. And if we can go directly back to you know, Richard Pryor's first appearance in SNL in 1975 and the job interview that he does with Chevy Chase, you know, with these trigger words, right? And it was such an incredible moment, one, because it freely represented a, a moment where a Black comedian could speak freely back to whiteness in a certain kind of way. But it's also this kind of critical moment. Um, even as we think about folks like... Um, you know, Eddie Murphy coming along a generation after that, you know, to this day, when I want to talk about white privilege um, in American culture, um, I show that clip of Eddie Murphy in white space, mm. um, showing to the world in 1984 on SNL when he was guest hosting what white privilege looked like, right? And Paul Mooney, who is personally my favorite comedian, um, you know, he for many years was a writer for Richard Pryor. When Richard Pryor goes from SNL and he has that short run, literally three or four episodes of that it's Richard Pryor show um, because it pushed the envelope so much. 
um, you know, Paul Mooney was really the person who was, you know, crafting and helping to sweeten some of the jokes that Richard Pryor was doing, you know, in all mm. those years. And in one of the callers or uh, writers mentioned Flip Wilson. Um, and, and in the context of Flip Wilson, I also want to shout out Red Fox, you know, Red Fox, who, again, is coming through the Chitlin circuit. Um, he was a friend and comrade of Malcolm X. When Malcolm X was still Detroit Red. They both had red hair. Um, so one was Detroit Red and, and Red Fox was Chicago Red. Um, but he was someone that when he got the opportunity, he always chose to put people on. So it's actually him sitting on one of these late night talk shows and the host asked him, you know, who's the comedian that everybody should listen to? And yeah. he was the one that said, you need to listen to Flip Wilson, right? Uh -huh. Flip Wilson's appears on the show in 65. And of course, five years later, you know, he is hosting his own popular you know, show. And the night before Red Fox's Sanford and Some premieres, you know, it's Flip Wilson giving back the favor and bringing Red Fox onto the show, you know, prior to the, you know, the the emergence of what becomes Sanford and Son, which itself becomes an incredible comedic hit in the 1970s. And one more clip before we run out of time. Here is Richard Pryor, who I will acknowledge so many listeners uh, are bringing up as somebody to put at the top of the list. Um, his influence on comedy definitely persists almost 20 years after his death. This is from the 1982 special, Live on the Sunset Strip. You know, because we never was no n****s. That's a word that's used to describe our own wretchedness. And we perpetuate it now because it's dead. That word's dead. We men and women, we come from, we come from the first people on the earth. The first people on the earth were black people because anthropologists white anthropologists so the white people go that could be true you know yeah dr leakey and them found people remains five million years ago in africa you know them didn't speak french so black people we the first people had thought right we's the first one to say where the am i and how do you get to Detroit? Hey, Richard Pryor, who speaks for himself. I do actually have one additional clip. I'll throw it in here. 30 seconds of Wanda Sykes. You know, my agent would call me and she's like, uh, Wanda, you don't even want to hear this. I was like, no, tell me, what is it? She's like, all right. They want you to play a maid. And you win the lottery. But you love working for this family so much. You continue to be their maid. I said, set it up. I want to meet these people. So, Professor Neal, we've got 40 seconds left in the segment. Does it work? Does comedy like the clips we've been hearing advance the cause of racial justice? I think we find people's humanity very often through humor. And, and I think to the extent that some comedians are still invested in working across the color line, if you will, um, I think there is still a way to make humor of the ridiculousness of racism and, and, and the way that race functions in our society, right? I think it's, it's not as groundbreaking in, in 2024 as it would have been in 1964 when it was Dick Gregory. But I do think it's still an effective tool, whether it's through stand-up comedy, comedic actor, comedic, comedic films. I mean, there's still a kind of way to get at the humor of the situation of race in this country. Mark Anthony Neal is 
is the James B. Duke Distinguished Professor of African and African American Studies at Duke University. Thanks so much for joining us for this Black History Month segment. That was really great. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Brian. Brian Lehrer and WNYC. Have a great weekend. Stay tuned for Allison.